0: And I'm gonna hand up the microphone to you guys. Thank
1: you. My name is Jeanette, by the way. Thank you, Jeanette. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm gonna ask you to stand. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, we invite you to have your way in this place today. Apart from your presence, dear Heavenly Father, nothing else matters. We will not hear well, we don't love well, and we don't see well. So please come have your way in this place. We ask as a body that you would remove any preconceived thoughts of what we think we're about to hear. This is not an average Sunday. This is not a normal day. This is a day that you have set apart for us to celebrate and learn the word of God. May we not be so quick to think about what we're doing after church today may we not put aside the mighty, incredible miracle that you want to perform as we listen to the word. We ask that you will guard the pastor Diego today, that you would um, allow him to exercise his freedoms in you. We pray above all things, dear Heavenly Father, that we don't do as we've done in the past and some of our predecessors that you've appeared and we miss you because we were focused on something else. So guard us from that. May we learn to love Brand new today, this moment, in this service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
3: Thank you, Charles and Jeannie, for reading the word of God and praying for, for us. I love it when you stand here and you see people waving in the back of the room. I don't know if they, they just want to greet me, but now this time they're reminding me that we need to dismiss treasure seekers. So children, this is your time, first through fourth grade. You can uh, line up quietly, and this uh, is Margaret and uh, Hillary will lead you to the appropriate place. <clears throat> if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Diego Cuartas, one of the pastors here at Living Faith Alliance Church. I, uh, there are three things that I really appreciate and really love this morning. One, I get to be with Jesus. I get to be with you. And I get to partner with Jesus to uh, share with you some of the things that he has been uh, investing in my heart as we dive into these four verses of the um, third chapter of Colossians. If you haven't been with us before, prior to today, we've been in this series of the book of Colossians and we're kind of coming towards the end of it. And um, so today... Uh, our sermon title is Living Between the Already and the Not Yet. I want to preface uh, our teaching this morning by saying that last week, Pastor Greg shared uh, from chapter 2, uh, and he taught uh, some beautiful truths about how we can fight against our tendency to be Legalistic, And so if you didn't get the opportunity to hear that message, I really encourage you, uh, go to our church website, click on info, and then sermons, and you'll be able to hear that message. He defined legalism as uh, l- just our tendency where we live according to God's law and our own laws. And then we expect other people to To live by them. And so in this chapter, in chapter 3, we're going to be addressing a different tendency that we have. And that is the tendency to compartmentalize our life. See, we we have a tendency sometimes to uh, compartmentalize our lives by saying, in these situations of life, I recognize God as sovereign. In these situations of life, God's not there. We do that. We fragment our spiritual life, our faith, our walk with Christ. And so often we also uh, live today here on earth thinking that the today here on earth is Separated or distanced from life in the future. So life in the future looks different than life in the present. And there is a disconnect between the two. I believe Paul wants us to learn to bridge the gap that exists between the now and the then. And yet recognizing that we are people who live between the already and the not yet. So look with me, we're going to see an illustration that, is, that I believe is familiar to you. This was an illustration point. I saw some of you going like this, like just kind of going at the swing of the music. That that illustration, doesn't it often represent how we think about our spiritual life, about our Christian life, about our faith life? We see or think that our journey with Christ is sort of progressive. It begins with this caterpillar, And then eventually develops. I believe it's maybe nine days from the moment that caterpillar um, uh, goes into the cocoon. And then waits like nine days. Nine days to start coming out. And then it takes a few more days for those wings to eventually extend out enough for the butterfly to take a flight. That... That is true in part. Our Christian life is, is one where we grow progressively. In, in, in fact, uh, Jesus says in Ephesians 4.17 that we are growing gradually uh, in a way that we are obtaining this, the maturity, the stature of Jesus Christ. So it is true that sometimes growth is somewhat linear. And continue the potential for us to grow in our faith, in our spiritual life. It's sort of like a linear continuum. But according to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to see today that that's not all that is happening. That what's happening is that our spiritual growth is not so much linear as much as as it is spiral. Can you relate to moments in your life when you say, Man, I thought I was over that struggle. And here it is. It just rears its head again. And I think what's happening in those moments is, is not that we went back to square one, we're just going deeper. We're going deeper with God. At that same level of the struggle. So that's why it's an upward spiral. Because growth in spiritual maturity is not so much a line. But it's sometimes all over the place. If you get the idea. So in our passage for today. Charles and Jeannie read it. I'll read it again. If then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. I want you to notice that. <clears throat> Living between the already and the not yet can be seen in this passage by way of looking at some contrast. Here's the first one. Paul says that when we place our faith, our trust in Christ, in his claims, in his person, in who he says he is, we die with him in his death. But see also what happens. The contrast is when Christ was resurrected, we were raised with him to life. That's the first const- contrast I want you to see. The second one. There is this dynamic between the things on earth and the things that are above. Do you see it there? The things on earth, plane level life, and the things that are above. Here's another one. Your life right now is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. But in the future, that life that has been well-kept, hidden with Christ in God, is going to be revealed, It's going to appear. So you see that in this contrast, um, there is the already and the not yet happening, correct? Here are two other contrasts that are implied. They're not so clear, but we can imply or infer infer, uh, from the passage. Here's the first one. Jesus Christ is seated at the right-hand side of God, which means there was a time when Christ was not seated at the right hand of God. He was on this earth doing the will of God, Doing the ministry that he was entrusted. And therefore he was not seated at the right hand of God. Now he is. Here's another one. Jesus right now is not displayed to the whole universe in glory. Is he? The the universe doesn't see Jesus right now in person displaying his full glory. But one day when he appears for second time, he is going to display the fullness of the glory which he had with the Father before the creation happened. So we have this, this, this reality where we are living between the already and the not yet. So what are some things that... Are already true. If we live between the already and the not yet, let's look at some of the things. This is not an exhaustive list, but I want to share a few things with you um, that are true about you, that are true about anyone who has placed their trust in Christ. Here's the first one You have died. When you believe in Christ, and baptism often is a beautiful picture of that, right? When we go down into the waters of baptism, what that represents is I'm dying with Christ. When you come back out of the waters of baptism, that symbolizes you being raised with Christ. And so Paul tells us that we have died with Christ And our lives are now hidden with Christ. I'm going to show you something. This is a little toy my wife let me bring today. (laughs) I think this is a, it's got the body of a cow, but the nose of a pig. This blue one I think is a sheep. And this one is definitely a pig. For the purpose of illustration, not because I'm going to call you a pig, okay? Just for the purpose of illustration. This is your life. When you died with Christ, something profound happens. Your life dies with Christ. And Paul says that you are not only dead with Christ... But you have been hidden with Christ. And then let's pretend this is God. Sorry, God, for (laughs) using this poor illustration. So, this is God, and Paul says that your life is hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that wonderful? YOUR LIFE IS HIDDEN WITH CHRIST IN GOD. YOUR LIFE IS SAFE. YOUR LIFE IS SECURE. YOUR LIFE IS NOT UP FOR GRABS. YOUR LIFE IS WELL KEPT AT THE MOMENT. UNTIL THE DAY WHEN JESUS CHRIST IS REVEALED. And you will also will be revealed with him. Now, I understand sometimes life doesn't feel safe. We don't feel secure. We don't feel protected. But I want you to know. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And we are given the privilege to live life from that place. I want you to hear that again. We are given the privilege to live life from that place. If we get outside of that place, we're going to start defining life according to our liking instead of living life according to Christ. Here's another reality that is true you have been resurrected into a new creation. When we are resurrected spiritually with Christ, what happens is you're not resurrected as the old Diego, as the old Ed, as the old Mary, as the old Stephanie. You are resurrected into a new creation. You are given a new nature. You are given new attitudes. You are given new desires. You are given newness. And the potential of that newness. Another thing that happens is you get a better chair. What do I mean by that? Ephesians chapter 2. Great chapter. If one day you feel like you're down or depressed, read Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul again tells us that when we are raised with Christ spiritually we are also seated with Christ at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. That's not for grabs. Even though you're here doing life on the plain level of earth, spiritually speaking, you're already there. You are. So you got a better chair. Next one. You are in power. You're a temple, dude. I can say that to the guys in this room, ladies. I'll say to you, you're a temple. You're a beautiful temple. But to the guys, I'll say, you're a temple, dude, because you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. There is a new presence given to you. The Holy Spirit comes and resides. He takes residence inside of you. His new one of his new addresses is your life wherever you go. And so you are empowered with love, you are empowered with spiritual gifts, with new capacities, with new attitudes. You're empowered to love and to serve people. You're empowered to take the presence of God wherever you go. That's already happened. Here's another one. You get a new address. Because the word of God tells us that you have been been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's not something that is going to happen tomorrow or 100 years from now. That's something that has already happened, friends. Here is another one. You've been given a new identity and a new status. According to the word of God, anyone, regardless of their age, who places their trust in Jesus, is considered a saint. And I know, depending on the background, that could shake up some marbles in our brains. According to the word of God. Anyone who is in Christ is already declared a saint. You don't have to wait to die or until you are revealed with Jesus in glory to be canonized as a saint. You are a saint. Now. And see, what that means is that when God looks at you, He's looking at you through the filter of the righteousness of Jesus. Not through the filter of your sinful nature. So when God looks at you, He is not seeing a sinner. That's the difference when we are in Christ. That's why Jesus says, If anyone does not believe in me, you will die in your sins. If anyone believes in me, you will live. And the reason He's saying that is because When you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you receive a new identity, a new status, a new nature, a new creation. And when God looks at you, he sees a beautiful saint, not a sinner anymore. Yes, amen is right. We're given a new purpose, and that has already happened. Now, in the present, you have a new purpose. You are an ambassador of King Jesus. And what a privilege and joy that is. To be an ambassador in whatever capacity you are. Whether that's serving in children's ministries, leading worship, helping with the sound, greeting people, leading a small group, driving... Whatever it might be, you are an ambassador. You have a new purpose. Here is uh, the last one on this list. Your prototype has been approved, accepted, and stamped by God. Do you know that all this talk about you already being raised with Christ in the spiritual realms, and you're seated with Christ, your life hidden with Christ... All that talk is about the fact that God has already the prototype, the final prototype of your life. And when Christ comes, reveals himself in glory, and you appear with him, the prototype, the real you, the the finalized version of your life, the completed version of your life, the wholesome version of your life is going to be revealed. So the prototype of the finalized you has been already approved, accepted, and stamped by God. So you could say that you you are not that, you are not that, you're here. You're somewhere in there. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith, how long you have known Jesus Christ, Uh, I read Colossians chapter 3. And I got to believe. Plus the other counsel of the word of God. That you're probably. More ahead than the caterpillar. Somewhere. (laughs) Because there are already things that are true about you. So you're beyond the caterpillar. And you are somewhere in between. Now. What are some things that are not yet? We're talking about living between the already and the not yet. What are some things that are already not yet? Here's the first one. Are we fully sinless? Not yet. Sin still has a presence in our soul. Before God... We are righteous. We are saints. In this world, in the playing field of life, sin still has a presence in our soul. And Paul states that very clearly. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Here's another one. Are we fully transformed? Not yet. (laughs) Gotta wait for that one. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So our full transformation has not happened yet. Do we have a fully glorious body yet? Who woke up this morning with a backache? Oh, man. Sinus pressure, allergies. Do you see all that pollen on the surface of your car yesterday? It was all over the place. We, we don't have a glorious body yet, but one day we're going to get it, and it's going to be like the body Jesus got when he was resurrected, which means that we're going to be able to, yield, to eat on a regular basis more than um, Angel food. (laughs) Perhaps steak. Good sandwich. Nice dessert. Because we will receive the same glorious body that Jesus received after he was resurrected. And not only yet the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly. As we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons... The redemption of our bodies. We're going to need a glorious body. In order to experience everything that is glorious, that awaits us, we're going to need to be packaged in a different stuff, in a different body. Are we fully devoted? Not yet. Remember what Jesus said? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. I I think it's true that every day of our lives with Christ, there's some moments where we're devoted, fully devoted, and then we're devoted to ice cream or the remote control or a relationship or a career, or some ideal that we have in our life. So we have a divided heart, and what God is doing is He is working in us to bring us to the point one day where our hearts will be undivided. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and your first thoughts are fully devoted to God? And you start cooking breakfast and your thoughts are fully devoted to Christ. And perhaps you go jogging or you go to the uh, gym to work out a little bit. I don't know if we'll do that in heaven, maybe with some angels as your coaches uh, or trainers. And you, you, you go to the gym and you're fully devoted to Christ. And you get into situations Fully devoted to Christ. Dinner comes around. Fully devoted to Christ. You're about to go to bed. Fully devoted to Christ. That's going to be an exciting day. Can't wait for that. Are we um, fully free from bondage? Not yet. See, Paul tells us that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage. The whole creation right now, uh, in case you didn't know that, um, it has been submitted to decay. If you ever get the idea that things are going to be better while we live on this earth, I'll break the news to you today. According to the word of God, this creation is heading to decay. It is decaying right now. It's groaning because of the presence of sin. And one day, that creation that is groaning because of the presence of sin and evil, one day, that groaning creation is going to be celebrating the fact that the children of God will be revealed. And that day is coming. One more here or two. Are we fully peaceful? No. Nah. Nah. <laughs> Someone <laughs> said no. <nah. laughs> no. Not yet. We have moments that are peaceful and then we have chaos, right? Turmoil, anxiety. We have all of that. But Jesus will wipe away every tear from your eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away that day is coming and there will be full peace 24 7 well I guess you can't say 24 7 because time will be different in eternity right are we fully immune from the schemes and deception of our enemy not yet We are still vulnerable. Perhaps even this morning you have heard lies from the enemy, right? It's so easy. It happens so quickly that a a thought of condemnation, intimidation, deception, revenge... Some thought like that, that doesn't come from the father of lights, but from the prince of this world, comes. And so one day, that uh, devil is going to be uh, thrown along with the beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire and so forth, where they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Do you find that interesting? That... They're gonna be subjected to the very same thing they did to us. Yeah. The devil spends every minute of his existence between now and then tormenting. And he is going to suffer the consequences. And we will be fully immune to his schemes. Here's the last one. Are we fully knowledgeable? Not yet. Do we know everything? Do we know everything about God? No, nope, I don't. <laughs> Paul again tells us, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, mirror. Then, face to face then i shall know fully even as i have been fully known so friends we live between the already and the not yet that should that should be encouraging to us really because sometimes we get stuck right here in the moment of my struggle my pain my failure my hardship my confusion, we get stuck at that place, right? I do at times. And the fact that we live between the already and the not yet uh, should, should be encouraging news to us. Now, there's another significant thing that Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3. Christ, the risen Lord, is central to our identity. Let me show you that real quick. And I'm going to use a footstool. In this identity, Christ is central to our dying, our being resurrected. And he's central to the future revelation of glory. He's central to our identity. When we are in Christ, we can rest in that identity in Christ. Again, because we already died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. And we will be glorified with Christ. So we have that in the past, the present, and the future. Don't you love that? Every aspect of time is covered by Jesus. Every. My past is covered. My present is covered. My future is covered. So what kind of Christian are you? Um, well, you may be the kind of Christian who tends to focus more on past grace. You're living here on earth in the now, and you, 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 you don't think about anything else but the past. This is what Jesus has done for me. And we do need to do that. But you could become a nostalgic Christian who lives in the past <laughs> living on past grace, right? Or you could be a, a Christian who focus on the present grace And, um, and in the pre- present grace, you, you kind of become narrow. You become like a narrow Christian who loses perspective of the past grace and the future grace, right? And here's the other kind of Christian. is the Christian who focuses in the future revelation of the glorious things. That Christian is called the eschatological Christian. That's a word that describes what happens in the study and the events of the end times. And, um, it, it, and so you, you, you like to read the book of Revelation a lot because you're, 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 you're focused on the end times. You follow the prophecies to be how they're being fulfilled because you're focused on the end times. And you lose track of present grace... Or past grace. There's nothing wrong by the way with anything of what I have said. but I would I would propose this morning that we can rest secure in our identity in Christ when we hold these three realities in tension. See, when you're doing life here, uh, the plain level of life on earth, we gotta hold on to those three. When you sin, And you experience failure, you got to reach into the past and remind yourself that you have died with Christ, that you have been made a saint, you are righteous, you are accepted before God, right? You have to. You can't forget that. But then you got to bring that to the present and say, I am raised with Christ, I'm alive with Christ, I've been made a new creation, this failure, this sin does not represent my future. It's not going to define me because the resurrection of Christ has already defined me. And then you gotta reach into the future grace and say, I'm living here now. And there are some things that are not yet. But there are things that are already. And I'm reaching out into the future and saying, my God has a beautiful picture of that future, of that time when, when, when I am revealed with him in his glory, I will get to see the final prototype that has been approved, accepted, and stamped. So we got to hold on to those three. So what is going to help us hold the tension between those three, those three realities so that we can be grounded in this Christ's identity? Paul will answer that question this way. He would say, seek heaven, think heaven. And by the way, those are imperatives. They're not suggestions. They're not... Um, uh, good advice for a rainy day. They are imperatives. In the original language, the imperative is seek. Set. Set your minds on things of above. So to seek means to aim at, to aspire. And to set your minds is, means to give your minds to something. Um, I like uh, Murray Harris, who uh, has written a lot of commentaries uh, on different books of the Bible. He says, constantly fix your thoughts on heaven. And the idea behind that is really to be fixated. And uh, you guys know what it means to be fixated, right? Right? You've been been thinking about that Apple Watch that you want, right? So you fixate your your mind on that Apple Watch. You think about it. You research about it. You talk about it. You dream about it. (laughs) And then you click about it so that in two days it shows up at, your, uh, at the doorstep. We know what it means to be fixated. It's like we become obsessed with something that we really want. So what Paul is saying to us is basically echoing what Jesus said in John 8.23. This is what Jesus said. You are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not from this world. Jesus said that. And so, we must seek heaven and think heaven. Now, why would Paul say that? Uh, What does that mean? Like, do I think about angels playing the harp, sitting on a cushy cloud... What, what is your vision of heaven, seeking heaven, or thinking heaven? No, the idea here is seek Christ, think like Christ thinks. Set your mind on the realities of Christ. That's what that means. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is how do we seek heaven and think heaven? Because let's face it, to seek heaven and to think heaven is a challenging job, right? Because we're not fully devoted. We have this divided heart. It's so hard sometimes to seek heaven and to think heaven, right? I mean, you're in Walmart walking through the aisles. Are you seeking heaven, thinking heaven at that moment? Probably not. You're on vacation having the fun of your life. (laughs) Are you seeking heaven, thinking heaven? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It is challenging to seek heaven and to think heaven. So here's what I propose this morning. We seek heaven and think heaven through the gospel. What that means is that the gospel paves the way for me to access heaven. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The gospel takes me from this plane level of life. From this earthly life. From this moment when my car broke down. When my child doesn't want to comply to obedience. When I don't know where the next hundred dollars are going to come to pay off that bill. When my in-laws are upset with me because I didn't meet some expectation. When I failed that test that I worked so hard to pass. When I walk into the cafeteria and nobody seems to be interested in me sitting at the table. In that moment. That's the moment where the gospel of Jesus Christ opens the door for us to seek heaven and think heaven. So what I propose is we gotta become good At fighting with the gospel. We got to become gospel fluent. Where we can process. Filter our hearts. In a way that the gospel takes us. To seek heaven and think heaven. Last week. Pastor Greg. Beautifully presented to us the gospel ladder. This is how I'm going to end this message this morning. The gospel ladder basically is a is a is a diagram that shows us the different ways of living. On the left-hand side, the false gospel begins with begins with "I do, I am, God does, God is." So how does that work? I do, therefore, I am. Or I do, therefore, I become. And now that I am or I have become, I expect God to do certain things. And if God so happens to do the things that I expect him to do, I will conclude that God is. And if God happens not to meet my expectations, I will make a different conclusion about who he is. And see, the problem of a false gospel is that it begins with me and it ends with me because I'm the one making the conclusions about who God is. That's a problem, friends. If our gospel on a given moment begins with us and ends with us, we're in trouble. We are in serious trouble. Let me share from my personal life. What, uh, uh, what that looks like. How the gospel has helped me. Seek heaven. And think heaven. This is a real struggle. That since I remember. Young kid. I, I've dealt with. It's one of those regular. Thorns on my flesh. And though I've. Grown and God has brought me to great levels of freedom, I still struggle. I struggle with being a people pleaser, with fearing man. And so in the false gospel, what that false gospel promised me is is life. But what we're going to see in a moment is that that's not what I end up finding. So the false gospel begins with I do. What do I do? I please you so that I can control your approval of me. That's what I do at times. That's what I do. And out of what I do, I am a certain kind of person. I am worthy of your love. That's what I believe. That's what sometimes deceives me. I am worthy of your love. And out of that, I expect God to, sh- to, to protect me from rejection and pain. So that's what God must do in this equation, in this false gospel equation. is God, you must come through for me and protect me from rejection and pain. And if just so happens that God meets my expectation, I conclude that God is loving only if he protects me. And if God doesn't happen to protect me from rejection and pain, I conclude that God is not a loving God, that God has left me. Can you relate to that pattern of false gospel? Take your own story, plug it in. All right? Because false gospels reveal the idols of our lives. I want you to hear that again. A false gospel reveals an idol in our lives. It it reveals that we have turned something or someone into an idol. And that has become greater, more important than God in my eyes and in my life. Idols, according to Richard Velodas, a pastor in uh, Queens, New York, He says, idols promise comfort, but offer prison instead. Isn't that true? Three more things by Richard. Idolatry is destructive because it's never enough. It always always wants to take more of you. It never gives. Idolatry always takes from us. Jesus is the only one who gives. Idolatry takes away from us. Idolatry reveals something about our deeper, deepest longings. That's why I'm saying we need to develop a gospel fluency where we can look our own hearts through the lenses of the gospel and allow that then to help us seek and think heaven. Here's one more. Idolatry is a cry for help. Idolatry is a cry for help. So, by the grace of God, I was doing this exercise, and this is what He showed me. He showed me, Diego, this is the true gospel. I am. I am loved, Diego. And because my nature is love, I will be with you, and I will never forsaken you. You see how that works? God is, therefore God does. God is love. He promises Diego to be with him and never forsake him. Is he promising to protect me always from the, the pain of rejection? No. No he promises to be with me and never forsake me. Out of that, I can rest secure in his love. That's who I am. I can be a person who learns to rest in him. 1 John 4:16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I've had to memorize that verse, friends. Because when the false idol comes on... The liar comes on, the temptation comes on. I want to trust the false idol. And God says, Rely on my love. And so I can rest secure in his love. And out of who I am, I can do what what is it that I can do? I can give myself away without fear. I can give myself to you without fearing your rejection. That's wonderful news. For a people pleaser, <laughs> that's wonderful news. Okay, here's one more slide. The difference between the false gospel and the true gospel is that the, the, the reason we like the false gospel is that it's logical. It makes sense to us. It gives us a sense of, I can control this. I can control the outcome of this. True gospel may be logical at times, but most of the times, is mysterious. It requires faith. It will take you to places that are unfamiliar to you. That is the essence of faith. Faith will take you where the wind is blowing. That wind is the Holy Spirit. Faith will take you where the wind is blowing. And the more we get used to living that way, the more chances we will be able to seek heaven and think heaven. I'm going to let Ryan and Abby lead us in a song that I want you to hear. Because um, it's a song that I think will bring several of these thoughts uh, to the same place.
1: Feel free to sit, stand, um, just engage and listen to the Spirit, what he's saying. Um, What did he say through um, what Diego has brought to us? Um, Or maybe what he's saying through the words of this song. Is right? Christ be all alone.
0: is, this might be a time where you might feel that you want to come in terms with Jesus maybe you have believed false gospels in your life and this is the moment where you bring those gospels to the feet of Jesus and you surrender them if this is time to repent if this is time for you to be prayed to get encouragement in this next phase of your life where you are giving these false Gospels, where you are identifying them. This is a great time to do it. I'm going to invite your church to join our singing in this uh, chorus again, where we praise who Jesus is. And then I'm going to invite the prayer people to come up.
1: Your love. Your blood was shed
3: come forward to pray for others to come forward now and we'll be available to pray for others Um, I just want to steward uh, something that the Holy Spirit has put in my heart and this may be for someone or a group of people here this morning Um, and what I'm going to say I want even the children to hear it this is this is not Adult talk. This is for you too. And so, children, teenagers, I want you to hear Jesus knows you, He has known you, and He offered Himself. through his sacrifice at the cross, to give you life. And if you have never said that to Jesus, whether quietly in your heart or with your words, I want to invite you to do that today. And here's, here's why I want to compel you. Because the love of God compels me to compel you. Jesus said in John 6.39 He promised to not lose anyone whom God the Father gives to Him. If you want your life to be kept in a good place. For that day when Jesus comes back, you want to be on Jesus' side. I'm telling you, you want to be on Jesus' side. Because the day when he comes back, he will reveal the children of glory, but he also comes as the judge. And whoever who has turned him aside or despised him will not be under grace but under judgment. And it's going to be horrible. And so I want to introduce you to a Jesus who promises to keep you until that day comes i want to introduce you to jesus who is able he already proved it through his sacrifice he is able to keep you to save you to deliver you to give your life to make you a new creation make you a saint accepted by god and He is going to transform you and He's going to keep you until that day. That's the Jesus I'm talking about today. So if you're a child, a teenager, an adult and, and you need to, you need to say that to Jesus. Just come and stand next to one of us and we'll help you we will. We'll be excited to usher you to the King. So, Father, would you please bless us as we go from here. We ask for your grace. We need help. If we're going to seek heaven and think heaven, we need help. So we ask for your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. For whatever reason you may be seeking prayer, just, just come and stand next to one of us. God bless you. You guys can keep
0: singing for us.